Welcome to the Libro Your Podcast, European Libro Farm Project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre. And what a great episode we have today. You noticed, I'm sure, some of my last episodes were recorded live, with some great guests, by the way, in the event LibertyCon Europe that happened in Lisbon, Portugal, from the 22 to the 23rd of April. I had the privilege to be invited, to be present, and it's a fantastic event that leaves an impression on you by the quality of it. I also had the opportunity to meet at the spot Stefan Ashimovic, and he is a director of European programs in the Students for Liberty organization. I invited him to come to the podcast to explain what is LibertyCon, how is it organized, what are the objectives, and the future of this event. And after conversation, I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for this month of July. I'm here with Stefan Asimovic. Stefan, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. I met you in person uh, at the Liberty Con in Lisbon on the 22 and 23 of April, and yep. it was very nice meeting you. And at the time, we, we discussed the idea of having you on the podcast, and we're going to talk about all things LibertyCon, uh, not only the Europe chapter, but all the yep. other ones. But before, tell us a little bit about yourself. What was the path that you took to the point that we're now talking on the podcast? Yeah, uh, again, thank you very much for having, uh, having me, and thank you very much for the support that the, the ELF has, has provided to, to Students for Liberty, especially with, uh, with LibertyCon. So a little bit about myself. So I've been in the movement for, for a few years now. When I was a student in Belgrade, I studied law. I joined up with a bunch of different student organizations, ended up working for law student association called Backup, and we were organizing all different projects for law students, basically. And that's sort of how I ended up in, in, in student organizing in the early days. And of course, uh, other than that, I was very interested in liberal politics uh, in Serbia and, and, and also in Europe. And that was something that I wanted to explore and figure out how I can use that to sort of start a career in, in working in NGOs. I somehow, I think this was 2019, I heard about this conference happening in Prague, uh, that was being sort of co-hosted by, by SFL. I went there sort of by accident. I got invited, went to the conference, had a great experience, met a bunch of really interesting people. And then there was a LibertyCon uh, a few months later being organized in Belgrade, my, my home city. And they were like, you have to come. So I did. Uh, I, I listened to the LibertyCon program, uh, met up again with a, with a bunch of different people from Students for Liberty. And that's when I decided to join as a, as a student volunteer. And I did that for, a, for about a year, year and a half. Um, this was during the COVID time. So I was organizing different webinars uh, in front of S uh, Students for Liberty. We took part in the Serbian protests that happened sort of at the end of the pandemic. Um, and that sort of, I guess, made me maybe stand out. So I got asked to, to apply for a um, staff position in European programs uh, about two, two and a half years ago now. And uh, that, that's when I started working for SFL proper. Um, and I've been the director for about a year now, I think almost to the day. So we can see that you have been very active, uh, not only in thinking, but also in organizing and getting involved. But I'm going to stay here for a little more because I was really interested in something that said that you, you had an interest in liberal politics in Serbia, which I'm quite sure it's not yeah. that easy or common to do. So No, 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 no. I, I you know, I, ha I had problems with my political opinions at, at law school, right? No, it's, um, I, 
I think it's sort of the environment I grew up in. I, I think I grew up in a very liberal uh, oriented uh, family and, and community. You know, my mom and my uncle, they were both on the streets protesting against Milosevic in the 90s. They were part of the Otpor movement. Mm. Um, so I, I sort of grew up with that and, and, and with this idea that, you know, the West is where, where we have to go. And, and it's something that I've been thinking about, you know, since, since I was sort of a teenager, I started sort of, you know, following politics, following what's going on in the world. Uh, figuring out what what my opinions and views are, uh, but it was definitely something that that's a bit controversial in 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 Serbia. But that being said, there is there is a liberal community uh, uh, here, especially in Belgrade, um, and and good things are happening. I think uh, when it comes to sort of liberal politics, new faces appearing, uh, a lot of young people that I guess we'll we'll be talking about later on. So, but yes, definitely a, a, an interesting path uh, to take here. Well, I'm happy that we have. Uh... People like you and young people like yourself uh, leading the way, particularly in Serbia. Yeah. So uh, getting to something that you just mentioned sure. now, which is the importance of young Europeans to be interested in politics, to get involved, to organize. And you guys have been doing a fantastic work organizing these people that want yeah. to do it and they want to be part of the process. Now, Stefan, it's often mentioned the importance of young people to get involved in politics. Actually, we just had the Year of Youth at the European mm -hmm. Union. Tell me, please, from your experience, how much do you see a translation from those calls, from then people like you getting involved, and then actually seeing the results of this kind of intervention, of this kind of participation? Yeah. Are you positive about what's been going on? Do you yeah. think that we are way, way, way behind? There's still a lot of work to do. Tell us your thoughts. Yeah. Well, uh, let, let me start off by sort of, you know, going into sort of the, 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 the historical perspective, right? I mean, young people, you know, especially students were the ones that were bringing about uh, political change for, for, I don't know how many, you know, years from the sort of the civil rights mm -hmm. and anti-war, anti-colonial movements in the, in the 60s, to, you know, the Velvet Revolution, bringing down the Berlin Wall uh, in sort of the 80s and the 90s, uh, the Otpor movement in, in Serbia during the 90s, right? And now you have Maidan and, and the protests in Ukraine and then the protests in Belarus. All these movements have been predominantly led or, or, or gave the sort of the main body was, was made up by young people, by people in, in their 20s, early 30s, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's because, you know, young generations have the most skin in the game. It's the, the political decisions made today are the ones mm -hmm. that are going to impact them for the longest. And when you're in your 20s, you you're thinking about what your future is going to look like. Very objective. But I, young people just haven't been uh, the, the ones making those political decisions. And I think this generation is starting to, to catch up on the fact that uh, they aren't being asked what they want to see as, as much. And I think that that is being changed. Um, I think if you look in the last few years, globally, you'll see a lot of like age barriers to when, uh, at what age people get elected to political offices has been going down. So I think in the last few years, I've seen like a bunch of news saying, you know, the youngest member of parliament has been elected, the youngest mayor has been elected, the youngest uh, prime minister has been elected. So I do think that this sort of generation, you know, uh, I don't know, born in 1985 to like 2000 is, is taking the lead and they do want to become more uh, politically 
engaged and they want to start making sort of the, the political decisions a lot earlier than, than previous generations, which I think is good. And I hope this is sort of a, a trend that, uh, that is followed. I think you need young people in politics because they bring in fresh political ideas and you have very eager and highly motivated uh, young people who usually have some sort of experience in you know, youth organizing, student activism, uh, coming in and, and, and taking uh, elected or, or appointed uh, positions. In. Um, and this is sort of where organizations such as uh, LIMEC and Students for Liberty come in as we provide sort of the education to those uh, political philosophies, but also you know, how to organize youth movements, uh, how to get projects started, uh, how to get your message across. The sort of the un informal education that can provide the, the basis for a political uh, career that's something I think that that a lot of student organizations like this uh, provide. And I, I do feel, to, to answer your, your other question, is I do think this is a positive thing. And I do think that the future looks bright. Um, and I think when you sort of read between the lines and, and cut through sort of the political breaking news, there's a lot of good things happening. And I do think politics, especially in Europe, or specifically in Europe, are heading sort of slowly in the right direction, um, mm. I, I think the, the the last year or two, especially with the with the with the war in Ukraine, has changed a lot of people's perspective on the importance of liberal democracies and and, and liberal ideas. I do think we're going to see, you know, going forward, we're going to see sort of the populist movement sort of lose importance uh, as people realize that yeah, this doesn't really work. I, I think people are starting to really understand how to dissect propaganda and how to dissect ideas that aren't liberty oriented and 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 uh, decisions that are being made that take away the the liberties of 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 people and i think this is sort of where you know liberal democracies and liberal ideas will come in and and become the big sort of force in you know in the next 5 10 20 20 years so i'm very optimistic about uh, the future of of the movement you presented some very very good points Unfortunately, just because of time, we're not going to get into all of them. But I'm going to ask you if you come back to the podcast, because I'm really interested in this part. Sure. But one follow up in this, and that is, uh, Stefan, and you know this because you've been working with these people. How do you see the what could be easily called as counter revolutionary incentives? And that is, you know, the distraction, the detachment, the passivity of, you know, TikTok dances. We don't want everyone, and it's not feasible to have every single young European <laughs> man and woman interested in politics, naturally. But how, 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 how have you guys been breaking yep. that? Or, or is that not even a barrier? Yeah, it's always going to come down to, you know, you're always going to have a small, a small group of people that are interested in, in political ideas or actually be, being participants in any sort of political process. And the rest sort of follow, right? People go out and vote in masses, but it's it's a very small group that actually gets people out in the streets. But th that being said, for, for SFL, of course, we're, we're not a political organization. So what we do is we do try to reach out to those mm -hmm. uh, students that are interested in starting something up. You know, the highly motivated, the, the, the people who want to get involved and want to build careers as the, you know, as the future leaders. And so we are working with sort of a smaller group of people than mm -hmm. what you say, uh, everybody. And those people or, or those students, they are looking for opportunities like this. So they're actively searching for organizations that they can join that provide 
uh, informal uh, education or provide opportunities for their personal and professional growth. And so mm-hmm. when you're working with those, when, you're, that, when that's your target audience, you do have to reach out. And uh, as you said, TikTok is one of the ways to do it, but you know, no you know, silly TikTok dances, but an educational mm-hmm. uh, program on TikTok that is uh, tailored towards getting the message across and getting people interested in, in checking out the organization. You know, I, I, there is a lot of talk about, about TikTok right now, and there's even uh, you know, a possibility that it's going to be banned in the EU, but it's just another, another way to get across to a younger generation. It's, in that perspective, it's no different from Instagram, no different from what Facebook was or, or Twitter. It's just another medium. But it is new and it is sort of, I guess, scary to, to, to the older establishment that's used to, you know, you have mainstream media and, and you know, you have TV, radio and, and newspapers. Yep. That is sort of, I guess, going away. Uh, and this is something that we all have to get used to and something that we have to learn how to use uh, mo- more effectively. Uh, and when we talk about politics, yeah, I think, you know, in, in, in a few years, you're going to have every political party have their own TikTok channel. I'm not, I don't know how that's going to look, but it's definitely where, where sort of things are heading because you have to reach out uh, to your audience. You have to reach out to the voters, uh, to the people you're trying to reach or, or whatever it is. Sure. TikTok was just an example. There's, I'm sure there's like three or four platforms that are coming down the pike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretty soon we have to leading with them. It's just that I I think it's really interesting, Stefan. And even as you said, Facebook in the beginning and Twitter and Instagram in the beginning were not political environments, were not political platforms, and they become that. And young people are the people that are populating those uh, channels, are populating those platforms. Of course, then Facebook got a little more, you know, to elderly people and now it's TikTok. It's gonna be something else. Yeah. I was just I was just really interested to see your opinion on how easy it is to have a young person saying, Oh, I am interested in politics. I just did not know or because unlike yourself, I didn't come from an environment where politics yeah. was always present. Yeah, I'll 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 tell you what, like uh, I I'm the personal example of this, right? Um I did I had liberal ideas and liberal views uh, growing up, and that was something I was interested in exploring. But I didn't know something like Students for Liberty existed. That was mm-hmm. a complete shock. I didn't know that there were, you know, a, a mass of people that there is a whole movement that shares the ideas that I do. And so that was sort of shocking mm-hmm. to me, uh, you know, a few years ago when when I got in touch with Students for Liberty was, oh my God, there's there's actually a movement uh, around what I believe. I'm not sort of the only one. Uh, <laughs> and if if uh, social media is is a great way to get that across, right? You'll surprise people. Very good. Let's move now to LibertyCon. Uh, this is a tremendous event. I was very privileged to attend it, the, this one in Lisbon that I just mentioned in April. And I want our listeners to know more about it. And naturally, on the podcast show notes, I'm going to put all the links so that people can go and, sure. and find this information. But Tell us, uh, for the people that are not, you know, that knowledgeable or were not there, what are the goals of uh, this kind of project, the LibertyCon conferences that you guys do around the world? Yes. Uh, Well, first of all, for those people who weren't there, they they missed a great show. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Indeed. I can vouch for that. (laughs) Uh, But we are organizing the next one in in April of 2024, uh, location to be announced. Look, uh, LibertyCon has been the, the, the flagship 
a conference for students for liberty for for over a decade, right? This is this was the 11th Liberty Con we've done in Europe. Uh, the the first few had different names, but it was all sort of it led up to what became Liberty Con. And as you said, this is a global series of of conferences. So we have one in the United States every year. That's the Liberty Con International, which is the main main event. And then there's Liberty Cons in Brazil, uh, across Latin America, and then there's there's Europe, of course. The the goal is to be an annual gathering of the of the liberty movement. So there's there's only so there's only a few events during the year where people from the liberty movement can really meet up in 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 a, in mass. And LibertyCon provides this as well as provides um, access to again the 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 young generations who who are our audience. So this is this is a, a chance for everybody to meet up once a year and sort of celebrate the successes you know in the previous year and talk about uh, current issues from the viewpoint of liberal and and liber- libertarian uh, perspective, right? Uh, in in that sense, liberty cons I think are are very uh, partner and speaker oriented. So we want to get the speak the, the our speakers and our partner organizations in and give them access to uh, a young audience that they might not be able to reach on their own. That's what Students for Liberty there is for and what LibertyCon is there for, uh, is to connect them, you know, these great uh, leaders and, and educators, um, connect them with young people across the world and have them give their views on, on current events uh, to them, right? So it's a way to connect established organizations and established thinkers uh, with the students that are just now coming into the movement. So that's, I think that's sort of the, the main goal of, of LibertyCon, as well as, you know, wherever we go with LibertyCon, it is a big event, and we do try to sort of use LibertyCon to boost the local pro-liberty movement. So we were talking uh, before about why we came to Lisbon. Well, we saw, in, we saw that in Portugal, the, the liberal uh, movement is, is sort of starting to emerge. There's new things happening. Uh, in Portugal, and we thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity for us to come in, to come with LibertyCon and introduce the you know the local organizations and the local leaders to the international uh, movement, to the wider movement that they might not, that they you know maybe know exists but haven't been able to to get in in touch with. So that's sort of the long term goal of of LibertyCons is to actually make a difference in whatever place that we choose to to come in, and that's when we choose you know a new country and a new city to come to next year. That's sort of one of the things that we really look in is, okay, what's the value of us uh, coming with LibertyCon to this to this country? Well, you're doing something right for sure, because as you mentioned, it's been the 10th year and the one in Lisbon was very, very impressive. Now you're just mentioning uh, something that I want to do a follow up, which is you look for stakeholders locally. And of course, you have the ones centrally and then you have the students itself who are the most interested parts of it. So tell us how this machinery works. And then I'm also very interested to know what are the feedback mechanisms that you have. So when you just mentioned that you want to bring people to the younger audience and the other way around, then how, how do you evaluate this? What worked and didn't? But before I go into the stakeholders. I mean, when, when it comes to the stakeholders that we're trying to, to get, I mean, uh, the bigger the fish, the better the catch, right? Look, we... Students for Liberty exists to create leaders of a freer future. That, that Our mission is to educate, develop, empower the next generation of leaders. So we figured, okay, so how do we actually do that? Well, you do that by activating the rest of the, the Liberty mm-hmm. movement. So we work with, you know, hundreds 
of, of different uh, organizations around the world. Um, some of them are you know, NGOs and think tanks that we can connect with the students. Some provide educational programs. Some do, do you know, student activism. Uh, so we try to connect with as many organizations that hold our values and our ideas and, and try to grow the movement uh, from, from the early on. Right. So we get the students involved in the movement. And, you know, the, the goal is to have uh, Student for Liberty alumni in every pro-liberty organization in the world in the next, you know, whatever, five, 10 years. Um, so when it comes to the shareholders, it's bring in anybody who has any value mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. moving the liberty uh, movement forward, bringing them to us so that they can interact with, uh, with the students. Uh, and when it comes to the students, as again, who are the big stakeholders uh, in SFL, it's what we talked about earlier, it's trying to get students who are interested in these ideas and who are trying to find sort of a, um, an ideological home. Well, that's, that's what Students for Liberty can provide. And because we're an international organization, we're we are on every continent, uh, Students for Liberty has great access uh, to those students and to those uh, uh, young people they're sort of thinking, all right, I have these views. I want to change something, be it in my country or in, you know, globally. Where do I go to? And that's where sort of we show up and we say, hey, we have this program. We're looking for people, actively looking for people like you. We have access to, to a global network. We have the resources. Come to us. Become, become part, of the, part of the organization. So I think that's sort of where the, you know, when we're talking about stakeholders, it's trying to build a network. At the end of the day, and trying to be be sort of a connecting organization between all these different uh, different organizations. As for the the, the feedback mechanisms, um, again, we have great relationship with with a lot of organizations that we work with. And if an organization comes and becomes a part of a project that we do, such as LibertyCon, right? Uh, LibertyCon uh, Lisbon, we had over thirty five uh, different partner organizations come in. Well. Because the conference is so much partner-oriented, we do need uh, feedback from the partners. Hey, did everything work out? Was there anything that we can change for next year? Uh, how do we improve so you get the best experience uh, out of this? Um, mm -hmm. And we do have very uh, uh, open uh, communications with a lot of these partner organizations, and we can talk very, uh, very easily about, all right, maybe this can be improved. This went really well. Uh, what can we do to to sort of upgrade it next time around? And then we we can always reach out to these organizations and and other partners and say, hey, we have a project we're thinking of doing. Uh, can you provide us feedback on on this sort of project proposals? Is this something that you would be interested in in coming in and partnering up with us? So the the, the feedback is not very rigid for most of the organizations we work in, but it's but is uh, something that we definitely value, right? I, I we build our programs based on on the feedback, on the on the effectiveness of those programs that, that we run, uh, so we're very much uh, always looking for for the opinion of the people that we work with externally, so that we can we can modify and and better the the, the programs mm -hmm. that that we execute. Now let's talk a little bit about the philosophy behind it. So you just we just talked about the mechanics. And yep. the name LibertyCon, and when I was first introduced, actually was two years ago, uh, an invitation, a very generous invitation from you guys. And I, of course, naturally, I went to try to find out what, what this is all about. And I did notice yep. on your website, and this was really cool, 
that you guys go into the fact that, A, we are open to every person that has something to bring and that is at least gravitationally close to the beliefs we have. So I imagine that you can invite someone that is a socialist or you invite someone that is communist, but that is going to be an opposition for something that you guys defend. Yes. So there's like a little bit of a spectrum here, and I want you to go into it because naturally, yep. and I think almost intuitively, we think that this is a gathering of libertarians, which is not. So please go into no. that. I mean, uh, Students for Liberty is a big tent uh, organization. That said, as Students for Liberty did start primarily as a libertarian organization in the United States. But once you start going international, how, how, do you, how do you promote a libertarian philosophy in places where there is just no history of what libertarianism is, right? Um, you know, Students for Liberty has expanded everywhere. Like we have Students for Liberty Africa. Now there's a Students for Liberty uh, Middle East and North, North Africa, uh, South Asia, you know, Europe. We're going into Eastern Europe. That, that's where uh, the majority of our programs is, is sort of on the other side of, of you know, what used to be the, the Iron Curtain. How do you bring libertarian ideas uh, into, into, those, uh, into those cultures? So you have to take a big tent approach. You have to figure out, okay, who are the people and what are the ideas locally that are compatible with libertarian uh, philosophy and this is of course you know liberals on one end but then you have all sorts of different uh, ideologies and philosophies that hold the same values and ideas it just you know the execution or the solutions might be different from from what a libertarian philosopher uh, will tell you right um, and and this is how we can reach a very broad audience you know the the strictly speaking the libertarian movement is very small anywhere. There, there's not a lot of libertarians going around. But if you start talking about ideas that's, that are trying to promote liberty and freedom, then that gets a lot broader. And this is where the big tent comes in. Um, and the idea behind uh, LibertyCon, and specifically the programming of LibertyCon, is, okay, how can we get all these different, uh, all these representatives of different, you know, ideologies or philosophies that are still within the liberty movement, come together and give their individual perspectives on the current issues uh, or on, on you know, whatever is going on in, in the world. So, uh, and be it organizations or partner organizations or be it students that I have in my program, you have libertarians, but you also have uh, liberals, anarchists, straight out capitalists, right? We, we try and get as many different people as possible because this also, is, it's a good way to build a community. Right. If we only took like libertarians, I think the ideas would sort of get stale. But if you have debates internally and both externally and try to build on uh, the ideas that do connect us and that are uh, universal across this sort of uh, uh, spectrum, uh, that's a good thing. So that, that's what the, that's the sort of the idea behind the big tent uh, approach is uh, try to connect all these people that might not necessarily have been connected to each other, even though they hold the same uh, values and sort of the same ideas. But, you know, maybe the way they want to execute them is, is a little bit different. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the big tent for us. And that's, that's how we see ourselves as being a very important part of the, of the network is because we get to connect all these different uh, organizations that might have a lot more stricter sort of ideological uh, viewpoints. And in Lisbon, that was a good example because there was a mix of people and of ideas yeah. and of debate. 
Is there any a red line that you guys set, like from here on? We have, thank you, thank you, but no, thank you. Oh yeah, I mean, communists and socialists, right? Um, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I think we 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 definitely have. You get uh, student applications that say, you know, I used to be a, a socialist, and then you know maybe they read a book or or they went to some event or something, and they started changing their views, and now they've they've been converted to to liberals or libertarians. But we don't. No communists, no no socialists, uh, and definitely no people who hold, you know, sort of the libertarian movement has, has always had, I think, an issue with right wing, extreme right wingers. Right. Uh, so that that's something that, that we actively avoid. And that's not something that we want to be connected with mm -hmm. because those are not our values and not not our views. Um, so I, yeah. I think in that perspective, sort of the libertarian movement is sort of stuck. In the middle, where we're being attacked by both far left wing, but also by the far right wing. So, trying to figure out, you know, are these organizations really pro liberty or are they pro, you know, something that just doesn't work for us? Uh, that's always a challenge, but I think we've been na navigating it uh, really well, as, especially I think in 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 Europe. As we're getting to the end of our conversation and our time together, let's uh, keep talking about LibertyCon. Um, you just mentioned there's the international chapter and you have LibertyCon International, which is going to be in Washington, D.C. on the 2 to 4 of February 2024. So that one is already announced. But then, as you mentioned, there's uh, Latin America, there's Africa, there's also uh, the Europe chapter. So is there any more room to grow or you guys already own the, the whole place? No, uh, there's there's definitely room to grow. I mean, uh, since Liberty has been around for 15 years, if my math's correct. So we, we started off in 2008 uh, in, in the United States. There's definitely room to grow. The, the job isn't done. Uh, so in the last 15 years, if you look at, uh, okay, who are actually the people that Students for Liberty has produced? Who are our alumni? So in the last 15 years, we have already produced... Uh, members of parliament from from the EU parliament to the Brazilian parliament to all over the world, vice ministers, academics. So we have professors uh, already who've been to our programs. Uh, we have business leaders, so people who have made millions doing something, and and just NGO leaders. So a lot of NGOs got uh, got started uh, by people who've been to our programs, especially in Africa. I think something like uh, two thirds of all NGOs that pro-liberty NGOs that started off in Africa in the last 10 years were started by somebody who was part of the of the SFL movement, right? Um, so what can we do in the next 15 years, right? Like how, how long until we get the first prime minister who's been through our programs? So th that's something that uh, striving to achieve and we are uh, constantly growing. In the la last year, so in the last fiscal year for us, uh, globally, Students for Liberty organized something like uh, 2,400 events, 200 trainings, We had over uh, 2,500 media hits um, and, you know, an audience reach of, I think, something like almost half a million people. And then there's stuff that we constantly add to the program. So last year we started the uh, Alumni for Liberty uh, program, which is a new program within Students for Liberty that is trying to connect all these people that have been through the organization uh, and try to build sort of a movement that's that continues their involvement with Students for Liberty once they've uh, left their studies and we're trying to connect them with all the different alumni connect them to the to the decision makers so that they can uh you know give them access to to the network that students for liberty has already built we're trying to now expand to middle east and north north africa as one of the new uh newer regions we're starting up in australia and new zealand so 
SFL globally is is expanding. Uh, to bring it back to to Europe, you know, we're still constantly looking for for new projects and new opportunities. So we're constantly experimenting, constantly bringing in uh, new things, constantly trying to out to reach new people, new organizations, new speakers that we can introduce to 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 our audience. At the same try, time, try to expand our audience. That's a great segue because I'm going to ask you to please tell our listeners how they can know more about uh, not only SFL, but LibertyCon and, and yourself. How can people follow you online? Oh, perfect. As, as for me, LinkedIn is, is I think, a, a good option, or you can uh, email me at uh, s at studentsforliberty.org. Uh, as for the organization, I'd say follow uh, European Students for Liberty on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you're in Europe, uh, definitely uh, check us out. We do have local pages, so all of our uh, national teams have their own social media pages uh, where they uh, post about their activities. So definitely check out uh, some of our events. Uh, we're going to have a regional conference season coming up in September. So that's going to sort of go from September all the way into into probably February. So we're going to have conferences from Reykjavik to Tbilisi, uh, Madrid, possibly somewhere in Italy, uh, Czech Republic. So we're going to have a, a couple of conferences happening in, in Prague. Uh, so if anybody's interested in checking out Students for Liberty, uh, in Europe, definitely check out the local pages and also the ESFL main pages uh, and come out to the events. If anybody is interested in joining the student program, applications are open. Uh, check out uh, studentsforliberty.org uh, webpage. Uh, you can apply for the program there as well as get more information on, on what the organization does. And I, I would also give a shout out to our educational platform, which is Learn Liberty. Uh, so this is a YouTube channel. Uh, and an educational platform that uh, students can can check out and sort of get the fundamentals of liberal libertarian ideas. Um, it's a it's a very big channel uh, that that is run sort of in house. Uh, so that might be something that's interesting to to your audience. Uh, Learn Liberty. Uh, it's on it's on YouTube. Very good. I'm very happy that the European Liberal Forum partner you guys. We appreciate all the support from from the European Liberal Forum. And you guys are awesome. Yeah, and this, it, here's a part, another partnership to, to endure and to grow. I've been talking with Stefan Aksimovic. You guys have been doing an amazing work. Please uh, keep doing your best to promote this kind of liberal values and ideas to young and not so young and like exactly. myself <laughs> population. Perfect. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, we'll strive to do so. Just a reminder that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you feel like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by ELF for this month of July, from the 30th of June to the 2nd of July in Split, Croatia, organized by D66 International, LIMEC, and with the support of ELF, we have European Trainers Academy. During this edition of the Academy, they will dive into understanding the role of a chair or a moderator on how to handle the feedback from participants. Attendees will receive specialized training in all areas of public speaking, such as organizing your speech, engaging the audience through body language, and overcoming anxiety. And then from the 2nd to the 4th of July, in Prague, organized by the Sinti Party International Foundation, D66 International, El Secretariat and Project Polska, we have Organizing Freedom. This project gathers organizational leaders from European liberal organizations and series of events 
that aim to share and learn from each other's organizational practices and experiences. This will be both online and offline with audience and target groups to prepare for the changing nature of civic engagement in the 21st century. To know more about this event, you just have to go to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now. I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. This podcast is produced by the European Liberal Forum, co-founded by the European Parliament, and have the support of the social liberal movement Think Tank in Portugal and Liberty Foundation in Poland. The views expressed herein are those of the speakers alone, and these views do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. <laughs> <laughs>